Good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, didn't cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kudagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Wendy, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic in Minneapolis on Franklin Avenue, honoring health and tradition. Right on. Hey, can you say Protosevich? <laughs> I sure can. Judge. Judge Judy Protosevich. Right on. Hey, uh, things are heating up in Wisconsin. It's Janet. Judge Janet. Not Judge Judy. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Wendy. Oh, my God. Good thing. Hey, so things are heating up, Wendy, uh, in Wisconsin Supreme Court. Yeah. And we're, we're excited to to amplify that here on Native Ritz Radio. I, we were both down in the Capitol today. A lot going on here in Wisconsin and all over the country politically. And so we want to get right to uh, Zoe with the news that you don't hear anywhere else because there's a lot going on. ho uh, Welcome, Zoe. Jimmy Glitch Robert. Um, this is Zoe Allen. I'm Sichangu Lakota and also descendant from the White Earth Nation. Um, today, uh, we had some really huge victories um, for our Indigenous folks in Minnesota. So I just figured we'd spend our time today talking about that since both Robert and Wendy were at the Capitol today. Um, so, uh, Representative Heather Keeler. Um, just recently passed the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act. And so she released a press release today kind of stating what the act's about. So I'm just going to read that for our listeners today. Um, so today, the Minnesota House of Representatives passed the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act with a 128 to 0 vote. Um, SF 667 was authored by Representative Heather Keeler. Um, she's representing the Moorhead area. And this bill codifies section of M sections of MIFPA that were dependent on the Federal Indian Child Welfare Act, or as many of us know it, ICWA, into Minnesota law. And it also clarifies various terms that are undefined in ICWA. Representative Keeler was quoted saying, saying that the erasure of my community isn't only in our past, it is firmly in our president, present. She also said, as an Indigenous woman, I'm committed to preserving my culture, language, values, and community. Other people have been attempting to exterminate us for generations, but the fact that we kept showing up in these places is an act of resiliency. We've overcome decades of harm aimed at our community through our children. What this bill does is continue to protect Indigenous children so they continue to have a lifeline to their culture. This bill makes technical cha changes and adds numerous provisions to the Minnesota Indian family, incorporating federal ICWA procedures and requirements for voluntary and involuntary child placement and permanency proceedings. The legislation also affirms the state's policy on tribal state relations, including the recognition of tribes as sovereign nations and the recognition that tribes have the inherent authority to determine their own jurisdiction for Indian child custody or child placement proceedings. The Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act intends to protect Indigenous children and families from cycles of harm and trauma, said Speaker Melissa Hortman. With uncertainty around how the U.S. Supreme Court will rule on the constituality of the constitutionality of the Indian Child Welfare Act, it is important that we act quickly in Minnesota and respect tribal sovereignty. I'm grateful to Representative Keeler and Senator Kunish um, for their work on this legislation. She also said, I want to thank Representative Heather Keeler for carrying this important bill and for her commitment to protecting Indigenous children, said House Majority Leader Amy Long. 
Voting for this bill is a vote to sustain the culture, language, and traditions of indigenous people and tribal nations. So it's really big news today, Robert. Um, it's yeah. it's kind of sinking in slowly with me. I mean, this is a huge, huge thing, especially for our younger generation that's starting to raise their own children, knowing that our kids will be protected is is really just incredible. I mean, I'm kind of actually speechless about it. Um, what was it like being at the Capitol today? Well, it was intense uh, speeches by Heather Keeler, uh, Alicia Kowalski from Duluth, also um, a couple of allies too, and it was really good. And um, once the vote hit, everyone was screaming and yelling because it was all green uh, for wow. yes. That's yeah. awesome. Was there any opposition? No. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So uh, Minnesota, go go go! Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, it's it's. I mean, ICWA has been under attack nationally, you know, and to see that they went as far as to, you know, add provisions in there that ICWA doesn't, you know, cover it is also just a testament to how thorough they were making this bill. And the fact that we have Native people representing us in, you know, in the legislature um, that can speak on behalf of us as a people because we're not often in those rooms um, is really, really incredible to see the support um, that other, you know, allies gave too. I think that that also says a lot about where the state Senate is at right now, which is actually a pretty progressive spot for the moment, at least, you know, yeah. with this legislation, at least can't say as much for Minneapolis city council. There's a lot going on there. Um, right. But it's good to know that there's definitely people in the state and there's people in the city council too, who have our back. Um, gives me some, you know, peace of mind for sure, for at least, you know, the near future. Um, So yeah, unless you guys had anything else to add to that, um, I did have another update um, that is a little heavier on um, the Khalil A. Ajad case. Um, So I reported on it a couple days ago um, that uh, Khalil's family, uh, along with um, MNT activists, which is a grassroots organization um, in uh, Minneapolis, run by teenagers, which is pretty incredible. Um, they've been asking for the Robbinsdale police to release all of the body cam footage, along with um, the footage taken um, aerially from uh, police helicopters. And so on March 6th, the Robbinsdale police did upload hours of body and squad cam footage to their YouTube page. And they also announced um, that the BCA will be investigating the circumstances around Khalil's death. Um, You can read the statement, actually, and watch the footage um, just by going to the city of Robbinsdale's website. Um, An interesting thing that they did also, and I was reading the report from Georgia Fort, who's an incredible reporter, Um, in the Minneapolis area. She's done so much work around Black Lives Matter activism, and she actually now has her own um, blog, and I think she's getting her own TV show. Um, But basically, she said that they didn't even, like, title the YouTube videos, so they're, like, really hard to find, and she couldn't directly link them to her article write-up on it, which is weird, you know? And so... Yeah, you have to go to their website and they're like hours, hours of footage, of course. But what they didn't include was the um, helicopter footage. So you're just getting really dark on the, you know, on foot footage of them running through the woods with dogs. And um, it also isn't um, like Khalil's family also felt like there was definitely some skips and some pauses. So um, it's pretty suspicious. Um, They think that it's maybe been tampered with. And so they're going to push to get unedited footage, too. So we'll continue to update um, everyone on this case as it's it's really important to talk about right now. Yes. Thanks, Zoe. Sometimes us BIPOC people have to take two steps back to take three forward. So uh, appreciate your update. Uh, We got John Williams up next, uh, Director of Development of Native American Community Development Institute. But first, uh, we're going to hear from our uh, Lieutenant Governor. So we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Oh, go ahead, Wendy. Say it. Stay with us. Stay with us. All right. 
No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. Learn more about how Democrats are standing up for working families and small businesses at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by Minnesota AFL-CIO. Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence. And shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis. Hey, we're going to get with John here in a minute, but first we want to uh, play a quick update from uh, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. Welcome, uh, Lieutenant Governor. Anin, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls-Flanagan administration. Last week, the February forecast showed that Minnesota's economy is strong and stable, thanks to the hard work of working families and small businesses across our state. And the legislature continues to be incredibly productive on legislation that improves the lives of all Minnesotans. Also, the governor and I have been have the honor of appointing incredibly qualified and driven individuals as commissioners to lead our cabinet agencies. To date, the Minnesota Senate has confirmed 13 of our commissioner appointments. These include uh, Department of Administration Commissioner Alice Roberts Davis, Department of Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson, Department of Commerce Commissioner Grace Arnold, Department of Education Commissioner Willie Jett, uh, Office of Higher Education Commissioner and Fond du Lac Tribal Member, uh, Dennis Olson. Department of Human Rights Commissioner, uh, Rebecca Lucero. Department of Labor and Industry Commissioner, Nicole Blissenbach. Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation uh, uh, Board Commissioner, Ida Rukavina. Minnesota Management and Budget Commissioner, Jim Schulwalter. Uh, uh, Minute, or the Minnesota IT Department Commissioner, Tar- Tarek Tomes. Department of Revenue Commissioner, Paul Marquardt, Department of Transportation Commissioner Nancy Dobbenberger, and Department of Veteran Affairs Commissioner Larry Herkey. These are all highly qualified and committed public servants who the governor and I rely on to lead the work of state government. We're grateful to these Minnesota senators for getting these confirmations done so quickly in this term. Last time I talked about two uh, extremely important bills that had just passed the Senate, Restore the Vote and Driver's Licenses for All. The governor has signed both of those bills into law. The celebrations at these bill signings were incredibly moving and powerful and just a great reminder of all of the work that has been done over decades to make this legislative session possible. People kept the faith and now we're getting it done. 
Additionally, the governor has signed several other bills, including providing $5 million in emergency funding to food shelves uh, to help more Minnesotans in need put food on the table. And incidentally, that was a bill that uh, was introduced by Representative Heather Keeler, who's a member of the Native American Caucus. Um, He also has signed a bill uh, tying the budget forecast to inflation to make sure that we can keep up with the costs um, uh, for Minnesotans. He's authorized the DNR to make changes to improve Minnesota's state park and recreation area boundaries and properly transfer Minnesota county and state lands. And the governor has also signed a bill unlocking $315.5 million in federally appropriated funds from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act to improve our Minnesota roads. And boy, don't we need it right now. And then finally, um, the governor uh, signed Executive Order 2303, which protects the rights of LGBTQ plus Minnesotans to seek and receive gender affirming care. And with this executive order, we are saying to our trans loved ones, to our friends, to our neighbors and fellow Minnesotans, that you belong here. You are safe here. We want you to live the fullest, truest, happiest version of your life and to be yourself here in our community. We were joined by medical professionals and elected officials, the queer caucus, uh, community members uh, who are all saying the the same thing. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving healthcare. When our children uh, tell us who they are. It's our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. And when our friends and neighbors tell us that this is critical care that will help them feel safer and happier and more themselves, it's our job to listen and to believe them. And when our medical professionals tell us this care will help improve and save lives of their patients, it is our job to listen and to believe them. In Minnesota, our trans, non-binary, two-spirit, gender-expansive relatives are seen and heard and valued and protected and loved for who they are. That is what it means to be a good neighbor, and I think that's what it means to be a Minnesotan. While there are bullies across this country who may be attacking the community here in Minnesota, we are going to stand up for our trans relatives. There's more work that we can do to protect and support trans youth and adults, but I look forward to continuing that work in partnership with fierce advocates like Representative Lee Finke and with the community. So we continue to work hard. I'm going to keep sending you updates. I appreciate this opportunity to share with you what's happened down at the Capitol. Chimi Gwich, Pina Gigi, and back to you. Wow, Wendy, just awesome to hear the Lieutenant Governor. Always. I'm oh. glad that she's on it. All the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Every other week she uh, drops in with a nice uh, nice segment. But, hey, we got John uh, Williams, Director of Development for Native American Community Development, on now. And uh, we're really excited to have you on, John. Welcome. Why, thank you, Robert. I am, I'm honored to be here. You know, it was funny. The last time you were on, um, I was listening to the show because, oh, you, you know, I was critiquing it. And you, it, I, I got to just say this, you were uh, worked with the, the Valley of the Dolls. Valley of the Dolls, yeah. Right, and that You're blew my mind there? because a friend of mine was in that that I went to high school with, uh, Julie Tavine. I don't know if you remember oh, that Julia. name. Yeah, Julie. We love Julie. Yeah, Julia, for sure. She was awesome. Oh. I went to high school and junior high with her. You're bringing me back 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, Crazy. yeah, it was great. Small world, small world. <laughs> it is. Yeah, so I lived in Minneapolis for 16, 16 years. Yeah, 16 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was really different back then because wasn't that like towards the what, mid-80s? Late-80s and the 90s. Okay, yeah. The, the uh, early 80s were... <laughs> Early '80s were kind of a fog to me, if you know what I mean. But I'm I'm recovering. I'm on my way. <laughs> it was the late '80s that were foggy for me, so I'm with you. <laughs> right on. Hey, so that's uh, you're stepping in here for Robert uh, Lilligren. Let's get an update of what uh, what would you like to talk about? Well, we have so much going on at NACTI, but I was thinking it was snowing all day here today. I live in Marshall. I don't know if you knew that, Robert. I I commute between the cities in Marshall, Minnesota. So I'm in southwestern Minnesota. But I was thinking that spring is like 10 days away. (laughs) (laughs) 
Not really. (laughs) (laughs) We're on our third winter. The hope hope of spring is in a week. Um, No, so we, I don't know. Do you know about our urban farm, Robert? No, let's uh, let's hear about it because I I hear a little bit about it, but that'd be great to... Well, yeah, so many people know that we have a farmer's market. We've been doing that for nine years. Um, and everybody loves it. The community comes out. We have vendors. We've got educational tables. It's just a lot of fun from June until October every year. But in the past three years, Hennepin County Railroad Authority has leased um, three plots of land in uh, East Phillips neighborhood on 29th Street on the Greenway between Bloomington and 18th Avenue. So we have three plots of land that we got for a lease that is like a dollar a year. Wow. And our goal with those three plots of land is um, it's, it's our food sovereignty work where we want to treat the land with no pesticides and honor our traditional ways of growing. Um, the three different plots will be three different types of gardens. So we've started with a traditional um uh, farming garden um, or backyard garden, and we have uh, 22 uh, raised beds. Um, and a lot of this infrastructure, Robert, was paid for by Midtown Community Works. Um, they really wanted to see us, and the East Phillips neighborhood is really supportive. The Epic uh, group is really supportive of this work. And so um, uh, we're going to take it in stages. And this past year, we started with just uh, one of the areas. Um, the uh, the second plot is full of trees. We have maple trees, cedar, dogwood. Wow. And then the third plot is eventually probably starting in 2024 is going to be a traditional me- medicinal garden. Nice. So it's going to be really beautiful. We have an artist, Gracie Horn, who was commissioned to do a permanent installation there, a a fixture, a seating area. That's going to be unveiled. Um, But in in this past year, we planted for the first time. And we planted all kinds of cool stuff. We, um, well, you know, uh, the food sovereignty programs at NACD are under the banner of four sisters right right so we um in the first lot we were we were doing trials of corn beans and squash and uh, which ones liked each other our farmers named gloria icono and she coached me today on what i was going to talk about because she's done all the planting um but she wanted to make sure that those uh three sisters were the right varietals that liked each other Mm-hmm. Um, it got along, and we planted peas and oats. Uh, we had melons, we had yarrow, sunflowers, um, and then this fall we planted the perennials that are going to come up every year. We did uh, serviceberry trees. Wow. Uh, we did uh, sweet grass, sage, lemon balm, um, strawberries, raspberries. And we're just beginning to plant seeds. Um, so we're going to do a seedling giveaway. But right now, our farmer Gloria is um, utilizing space at uh, Midtown Farmers Market, where she'll start seedlings for the community. And wow. that event will be coming up at the farm tentatively May 13th. But pay, uh, stay tuned for more details because that's going to be a really cool thing to be able to provide seeds to to the neighborhood. Yeah, let's talk more about that in the next segment. You got time for? We got to take a quick break here, but we want to talk more about that and. We want some seeds over here in St. Paul. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, we're, uh, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Oh, wow. Choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. Learn more about how Democrats are standing up for working families and small businesses at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by Minnesota AFL-CIO. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. 
City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. The appliance specialists at Warner Stellion are stacking savings you can't get anywhere else, including $50 to $500 back on each appliance and a bonus for each additional appliance. Our prices are unbeatable and our trusted free delivery is legendary. Shop now at warnerstellion.com. Hi, this is Paul Metza inviting you to listen to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We have been on the air on AM 950 for over five years, over 200 original shows in the can, including musicians, artists, promoters, authors, comedians, and more. We're on the air Saturdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like to advertise, get a hold of us at am950radio.com and stay tuned this weekend, Wall of Power Radio Hour. 2023 is here, and you can make it the year of the eagle with the National Eagle Center. You and your family can enjoy exciting eagle experiences, including field trips, private habitat tours, and exclusive behind-the-scenes tours. Meet live eagles up close, view bald eagles and golden eagles in the wild, and receive personal one-on-one education with dedicated and knowledgeable eagle experts as you journey into the world of eagles like never before. Learn more and plan your unforgettable eagle experience today at nationaleaglecenter.org slash experiences. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. We have families waiting for a car. You know, over 85% of unemployed are successful in finding and keeping a job if they have dependable transportation. A car plus a job equals a life changed. 612-919-5526. We have families waiting for a car. 919-5526 or autotech.org. Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance, but what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067 or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for 1 to 3 inches of snow tonight with a low around 26. Friday cloudy with a high near 34. And Saturday snow with a high near 33. Latungi's Palette is home of the best peach cobbler in the world. Their social enterprise business is built with purpose and fortified with love. Come and indulge in their gourmet desserts, sandwiches, and coffee drinks, including vegan and gluten-free options. Located at 1400 Park Avenue South in Minneapolis or at latungi'spallet.com. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! 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 Oh, John got it in there that last I got, second. I got right it in on. there at the last minute. Right on. Hey, we're here with John Williams, Director of Development uh, for Native American Community Development Institute. We're talking a little bit about gardening and seeds, and uh, it's really interested me because I know uh, it's important to have these pure seeds in our community, and uh, like you were talking about with no pesticide, uh, uh, that's really exciting, John. Yeah, I was just telling you, uh, our, our farmer Gloria is going to be starting seeds. She's um, doing the cold, hardier ones. So to begin with, uh, we'll do like kale and chard and broccoli. And she can even start flowers this early. So we'll have some snapdragons and zinnias and marigolds going. And so um, it's just really cool to see this process from I'm getting excited to wake up the farm is how we're talking about it and all the steps you have to take in order to, it really makes you appreciate agriculture and that farming is year round. Um, 
I'm learning a lot. I mean, Robert, I know I know enough to plant flowers in a pot on the stoop of my house, but that's about mm-hmm. it. You know, I'm not a gardener, um, but I'm learning a whole lot through the process. And yeah, we want to have more traditional seeds. We'd like to have a seed library. Um, one of the ideas that someone came up with was having a seed li- uh, a little free seed library, like the little book libraries people have. Yeah. <laughs> have we have them down here by our house. Yeah, we, we do. have somebody who has that on there. They have a little book instead of books in there. The library they have seeds in there in our neighborhood. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they're like pure seeds or and you know they don't have pesticides or anything. But yeah. But still, that that's kind of beautiful, you know, yeah. that people have things like that in our neighborhood. Yeah, it's kind so, of, John, it's kind of like land back in a way, right? It is. Um, we are leasing the land, but it is only a dollar a year for 10 years. And it's a partnership, really. Can we do, can we, through... Um, linking people back to the living world through getting people's hands in the dirt, through um, having the community come together and have a safe space, a spiritual place. By doing that, will will we will we help? You know, will you know? Will it help reduce violence? Will it will help? Will it help make people feel less isolated? Um, that's what we're hoping for, and I think that's really what 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 farming and gardening can do for people. It, it it brings them directly in contact with the earth. <laughs> yeah, good medicine, good medicine. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of part of land back in a in a in a fun way. Yeah, the dog's barking right now, but I think it's really important to get you know kids involved because they're really fascinated, uh, you know, about growing their own food. And if you plant this seed, then wow, you have something to eat in a you know a month or two. It's amazing. No. And they love it. They eat it up. Yeah, Gloria was just at center school today. Um, so yeah. we are working with schools. It's so important. You know, we take a multi-generational approach to all the work we do at NACTI. I mean, that's just baked into our arts and culture, you know, all my relations. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's just really important. Yeah, it is. And uh, what, what, a, uh, what a great thing to do. I had no idea because you know I, we talk with uh, with uh, our seed keeper. Uh, help me out with her name, uh, Wendy. We just Diane. we just talked to her. No, uh, uh, shoot, it, uh, she works for. Well, I just want to say, like Maggie, for instance, um, Maggie Lorenz. She works with a lot of different, you know, the kids, and they have a community garden, and they spend you know hours there on the weekends, and you know the kids are at, off the streets, they're out of trouble, they're being involved yeah. in something, and it's really, really awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they think it's cool, and it is cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I heard somebody tell a story, and it was really deep, John. Uh, that he didn't really believe in a higher power until he real until he thought about this uh, mustard seed that was planted, and then just magically grew into this big thing, and it really got him closer to the Creator and to the Earth by just taking a step back and realizing that, you know, yeah. just some heavy stuff like that. And John, what you were talking about earlier about which vegetables and which plants go with another and they're friendly and they help each other grow and they share nutrients with each other and it just makes them grow stronger and better where some plants and vegetables don't get along very well and they could hurt how, how they grow. It's really fascinating to me. It really is. And, you know, that's why I was talking about Gloria doing the trials of the different varietals of corn, beans, and squash, the three sisters. And the fourth sister can be bee balm, you know, attracts the pollinators. And um, so, yeah, some people ask us, who's the fourth sister? Because <laughs> 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 uh, everybody knows the three. But, um, well, you could even consider wild rice a fourth sister in Minnesota, couldn't you? Yeah, pretty much. And the name I couldn't think of is Hope Flanagan. Um, oh, Hope's- Hope. Right. Hope so so into the seeds and how could I forget Hope's name and uh, but yeah she's really into you know the three sisters market and and comes there every year too so 
what what else do you got going on? Because that sounds exciting, and I think that sounds like really changing. Uh, I mean, earth shattering change. And to look out the window right now and see all the snow, <laughs> and just think about all these beautiful plants that are going to be coming up soon, really is inspiring <laughs> and helping my mood right now. We're on the fourth winter or third winter of this year. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I, I always look forward to the crocuses because that reminds me of spring the most. They're the one of the first ones up. They're the little ones. Oh. Uh, uh, and then what is it? Then tulips come up and daffodils. And um, yeah, I love I love the flowers coming to life. Yeah. Zoe, do you got a, a statement or a question? I know that uh, this is kind of your jam, too. What's that, mm-hmm. Zoe? Food sovereignty stuff? Oh, definitely. I love food sovereignty um, work. My my mom was involved in a lot of food sovereignty work up at the White Earth Tribal College. And we used to always go to the um, farming conference that they used to have up in White Earth. Um, so it's always a great opportunity to learn more about our plant relatives. And I, I wanted to say, too, for our listeners that may not know, um, bee bomb is also wild bergamot. So and bergamot is a really important medicine to Dakota people. Um, you know, so just want to mention that because I think there's so many words. I didn't even realize bee balm was bergamot until I got a little older. Um, there's so many different words for the same plant. Um, but I, I was just thinking about spring too. Oh, go ahead, John. No, I just said it gets confusing, all the different plants. That's why I'm learning so much. You know, Glory's an actual farmer. And I just think it's fascinating the way that, uh, like, uh, like, uh, putting the different plants together, just how you do that. Yeah. I was going to ask too. So do you guys have a group of youth that come and help work with the farm or do you have any like internships or anything? We're just starting. So we had to go small. Um, we've had, um, some good support from the Minnesota department of agriculture. And then we received a grant recently from the office, the city's office of violence prevention, because they believe in the project as well. And so we're just growing our capacity. So our, um, just recently we hired a food sovereignty coordinator and that person's gonna be helping us with the plan that our, our, um, our leader, Elizabeth Day, um, her vision for this was to have um, a full-time farmer and then a coordinator, people to work with the community to help people with their beds and to bring community groups in. We can do men's groups there. We could do all kinds of things in the space. And it's three contiguous, um, you know, plots of land. So, um, but yeah, so that's what the coordinator is charged with doing is developing those relationships. We have strong ones with EPIC, the East Phillips Improvement Coalition um, and the city and the county. And so, um, yeah, we're just really, growing it. it it's it's going to be beautiful but gloria reminded me that it takes years for things mm. to really establish so you can't be thinking of just what's going to look great right now you got to think of the future and i think that's a beautiful message of farming that is a that is a beautiful message and wendy had our front yard done a couple of years ago and we're really excited because it is a process and things are growing and Things are growing a little bit, and things are growing more. So it is a couple year process. Then we're supposedly you're going to get little teeny frogs and and things like that here in the inner city. Yeah. So in our front lawn, we got rid of our concrete lawn. It's right. gone, and we had somebody come in and help uh, plant uh, pesticide free, fertilizer free. We saw uh, hummingbirds this year. Humming uh, plants uh, that will attract hummingbirds, butterflies, bees, and birds. And I think this will be our third season with it. Yeah, the first, we had it planted in the fall. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's one, this will be our second, our second season with it. And it's really, it has four little rain gardens. Um, It has a stumpery, which is a bunch of stumps from old wood uh, that has its own little ecosystem in it and its own... uh, moss that grows and specific bugs that go in there and it's really really awesome yeah yeah moss is amazing i just was reading about that moss is like really complex it is yeah hey john i want to say peenagee thanks for coming by Uh, that's exciting information 
Yeah, well, thanks for having me, you guys. This was really enjoyable. It always is, and it's always fun to hear, you know, uh, about people's background and what, when you came here. And and it's getting to be sugar bush uh, season here, so maybe we can have you on uh, back here and talk about talk about that real soon. That'd be great. All right, hey. Go can ahead. you remind everyone one more time where the farmers market is? Farmer's Market is at Nacti's um, building at 1414 East Franklin Avenue. And the farm is at the 29th Street on the Greenway between 15th and 18th Avenue. Perfect. Hey, thanks so much for being on. And um, great to see you again. It's always fun to see people on Zoom that we've met in purpose. Nice to meet you, Wendy. Yes, nice to meet you, too. Hey, we'll be right back after this short break with our sacred animal portion of the show. Stay with us. Oh, Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. The Senior Linkage Line is a free statewide service of the Minnesota Board on Aging, helping older Minnesotans and caregivers find answers and connect to services and supports. Questions about Medicare, transportation, looking to move to senior housing, overwhelmed with prescription drug plans? Call the Senior Linkage Line at 800-333-2433 or visit trellisconnects.org where we help people optimize well-being as they age. That's trellisconnects.org. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. Learn more about how Democrats are standing up for working families and small businesses at paidleavemn.org. That's paidleavemn.org. Paid for by Minnesota AFL-CIO. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let let howl. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition and Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! I just wanted to howl again. Right on. Me too. It's one of those days. It is. Yeah. You were at the Capitol today, when? And uh, wait, let me just back up here. I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many years. Take it away, Wendy. Yes. Hi, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level. And yes, I was at the Minnesota State Capitol today. Yeah. Uh, so let me just uh, back up up a little bit. So the Humane Society of the United States, a lot of people get this confused because of like animal humane societies and we're totally different. Uh, So the Humane Society of the United States is the big giant organization um, that does not adopt out animals. We do not have a shelter. We do not adopt out animals at all. What we work on is policy. So we work at the state state and local level uh, to bring about uh, internal changes and humane laws uh, to help 
all animals, not just your little cats and dogs that we share our house with, but everything. We, you know, elephants, uh, all kinds of animals, fish, anything that um, is cruelty to animals, we try to fix. Uh, so that's what we do. We do work with local um, animal humane shelters in times of like disasters and hurricanes and tornadoes and floods uh will we will work with them to get animals out and into a safer place so we could bring those animals in that are in a disaster area i talked the other day about how humane society international is in turkey and syria right now helping with that movement there so we appreciate that uh, yeah, so today I was at the Minnesota State Capitol at a hearing. Uh, so I don't know if any uh, of you out there have ever uh, witnessed a hearing um, at the Minnesota State Capitol or at your capital, wherever you may live. I encourage it uh, somebody to go there and to experience it. So you're in a big room. All the doors are closed. All the senators or if, you, if you're in the Senate hearing or a House hearing or a city council hearing, um, the important people who are making this, the decisions are in the front of the room, usually in a, some type of a semicircle looking type of thing. Uh, and then there's chairs in the middle where the um, people who are testifying will sit and testify and then around them and in the back and around them are people who are just there to observe and to bring support and show the Senate, the House or your city council members that you're there in solidarity and that you care about the issue that's being heard that day. So that's kind of where I was today. I was just there in solidarity to, I didn't you know, have to testify or anything. But what we were there for was the Minnesota Humane Pet Store Law. And I talked about this before. It was how, uh, Senate File 1317 and what this bill essentially says is we do not want Minnesota pet stores to sell puppies and kittens that originate from a puppy mill. Right. So we want to cut that pipeline from the puppy mill to the pet store. Well, we had two wonderful um, people who were there testifying and they did a really fantastic job. We had a lot of support for this bill. Unfortunately, we had some pushback uh, and the bill is not going forward as it is written right now. So a couple of things will happen. It'll either be rewritten, it'll it'll just go away right now and we'll bring it up another time when we feel like we have more support. Uh, but we encourage everyone to please adopt Do Not Shop because 99.9% .9 of the dogs that are in pet stores or pet shops are originated from a puppy mill. Yep. Yep. Um, if you're a breeder and you're breeding dogs and you're a reputable breeder, there are certain things that you will do and will not do. So the first thing that you will not do is pet, sell your dog to a pet shop to be sold there. So reputable breeders want the people to come to their home. Right. They want you to see the dogs. They want you to meet the mother dog and the father dog. They want you to learn about the breed and make sure that it's a right fit for you and this particular breed of dog. If you're a really excellent breeder, you will have the people who buy your dog sign a contract saying if for any reason throughout the life of this dog, you do not want it anymore. If something happens, we do not want you to put that dog in a shelter or give it away. We want the dog back. Yes. Um, but really good ethical breeders are really, really far and in between. It's really, really hard to find a really upstanding and reputable breeder. Um, and again, the, the dogs and the cats who go to the pet stores are from these mills. These puppy mills are these um, facilities that breed dogs over and over again. Uh, the dogs are kept in cages and um, they're just bred over and over again in their life. They never go for walks. They don't see the sunshine. They don't go for, you know, go for walks or live in a house. They just stay in the cage and, they, and they're bred over and over again. And their puppies are gone, sometimes sold online, sometimes going to puppy, puppy, you know, the pet stores. So that's what that was. So that's where I was today. 
How much time do I have? I have one more thing I want to say here. You got uh, three minutes. Oh, three minutes. I could say a lot in three minutes. Yes, you can. So the other thing, Robert, you and I, over the years, have uh, protested the Shrine Circus. Yep. Yeah, so the Shrine Circus, I'm just trying to find my notes here. Oh, yeah, Osmond Shrine Circus in St. Paul. So a lot of people will say, hey, Wendy, the Shrine Circus, they do really good work. They are out there, you know, getting money for the Children's Shrine Hospital that helps children. Yes, Mm -hmm. I get it. I think it's wonderful. Get all the money that you want. Just don't use animals to do it. Over the years, so anyway, the Osmond Shrine Circus is coming to St. Paul Thursday, March 23rd to March 26th. I encourage everyone not to go. Do not buy a ticket. Do not go even if you're given a free ticket. Right. Um, Right now, these animals that are in the circus are treated horrifically. Elephants, bears, tigers are usually the most popular three. Physical punishment has always been the standard training method for animals in circuses. Animals are beaten, shocked, and whipped to make them perform over and over again. Tricks that make no sense to them. That's what happens. Bears don't ride um, bicycles in the wild, right? So they're The AWA, which is the Animal Welfare Act, allows the use of bullhooks, whips, electric shock prods, or other devices by circus trainers. Actually, in Minneapolis, years ago, I worked on getting the bullhooked band in Minneapolis. And you know what that did? Just getting that bullhooked band caused the circus not to be able to come in with elephants because the bullhook is a... A, terrible. A, a terrible hook. It's a big bull hook, if you could imagine, a hook on the end of a stick where they intimidate the elephant to submission. And this is ha- the only way that they can control this animal. Right. So without that bull hook, they can't come into Minneapolis. Virtually 96% of circus animals' life is spent in chains and cages. Since 1990, there have been more than 123 documented attacks on humans by captive large cats in the United States, 13 of which resulted in fatal injuries. During the off-season, animals used in circuses may be housed in small traveling crates. So they're really taught, you know, you see the elephants, they're on the side, they're waiting for the circus to start. They're all chained up in this little area and they're swaying back and forth, swaying Jeez. back and forth over and over again. That's stress. That's a that's a sign of stress from these animals. Um, so again, please, uh, the Osmond Shrine Circus or any other animal, any other circus in the area, uh, there's ways that the circus can be humane. They sell food, novelties, uh, they, you could take pictures with the clown. There's acrobats. There's yeah. free face painting. There's non-animal rides. There's a lot of things that the circus can do to be more humane. Hey, good segment as always, Wendy. Great passion. Um, hey, our daughter is going to be on Care 11 tonight talking about the store if you guys are in the Twin Cities. Uh, yeah. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. We're still here. We are the seventh generation free leonard peltier now Be my best. Be my best.